Hello, you're listening to Eve, Where Are You? A show designed to confront toxic practices against women in the church. I'm your host, Dr. Nicole Davis, conflict coach and resolutionist. It is time for another motivating moment. We are still in Women's History Month. And I'm reading stories from this book that I have. I have not shared the title yet. I have not been sharing the names of the women. But what I am sharing is what they've been through. And I'm sharing the time period that they went through it. Only for us to see that the struggles that we have are not unique to us. But they're struggles that women have. And it doesn't matter our backgrounds Nothing about where we were raised, how we were raised. It's the simple fact that we are women and we deal with the same types of things. And so this week's story, oh my God, this one really tugged at my heart and it made me really reflect on my character, my faith, and my courage level. And as you listen to this story, you know, a lot of times whenever we're hearing anything, whether it's a sermon, watching a movie, watching the news, we think outwardly, we think externally, we think about somebody else. And very rarely do we take the time to do the self-assessment to see where do I fit in there or how does this impact my life or how can I use this information to make some changes in the way that I do things so that I can have more, be more, know more, change. And that's what I'm challenging you to do. As you're listening to these podcasts, you're listening to these stories, see how it is that you need to do whatever that is that you need to do or change whatever it is that you need to change. So our woman this week was born in a time period that matches the others. It was in the 1500s. And so let's go ahead and get started. Uh, because this one is going to really take us on a journey. So it starts like this. The woman who stood shivering next to the rack in the dank, cold cell was given one last chance to recant. Name the others who believe as you do, she was told, and you will walk away unharmed. Refusing to utter a word, she was stripped to her cotton shift and forced to climb onto the rectangular wooden frame where her wrists and ankles were bound with ropes and fastened to the rollers. By the time the torture was halted, her shoulders and hips had been pulled from their sockets, her knees and elbows dislocated, her muscles stretched beyond repair. She was now permanently disabled and still she had not uttered a single name. Her torturers ordered her removed from the rack and carried back to her prison cell. 17 days later, in 1546, at the young age of 25, she was burned at the stake as a heretic. Now, while I've stood up against, and now I'm out of the story right now, I'm talking about me, Nicole. While I've stood up against those in power, I can honestly say right now, I have never had to defend my right to believe Jesus, my right to believe in Jesus, my right to follow Jesus. And that is what we are looking at right now. We are listening to someone 
who because of what she believed about Jesus, suffered to her death. Now, for most Westerners, I believe I can say this, with the freedom of religion that we have in this country, we don't know what it's like to be tortured for what you believe. This is not our reality. This is not what is happening here. And we, I don't know that we understand how special and how a, much of a privilege it is, the right that we have to believe and say as we do. And I think, you know, as we look at the times that we're in as a nation, for anyone to try to rob you or take from you the right to believe or feel as you do about whatever it is, whether people agree with it or not, that is oppressive. And this is what this woman was going through. Because of what she believed, they felt like they had a right to torture her and ultimately take her life. Now, I want you to just think about this for a minute. Have you ever been this brave? Have you ever had to be this brave? And I mean, to the point that your life depended on it. I can say I have not. And, you know, when we see movies that talk about stuff like this or we hear stories, even if when we hear about tragedies or um, where you hear about incidents where people, especially like with sharks, I'm just saying, or in fires or burglaries, just what I would have done. You know, you can have those scenarios in your head. Well, if that had been me, had I been in that situation, I would have. But do we really know what we would do? I mean, this is some sobering stuff. This really makes me think about, first of all, what is the hardest thing I've ever had to go through? And when I went through it, because I obviously did, I'm sitting here, was I required to stand for something that really mattered to me? So let's go on. Born the daughter of a knighted member of parliament and a high sheriff, this woman could have slipped easily and unnoticeably into a life of leisure and wealth. Although almost nothing is known about her childhood, one can surmise from her in-depth knowledge of scripture and her writing ability that she was most likely well-educated and affluent. As noted, she could have lived a prosperous, conventional life as a gentlewoman where she resided. Instead, she broke the law and defy the rules of her society. All right. So I know I'm reading a story, but this is somebody's life. This is a real account of what was going on. And if you're affluent, if you're already living the life of luxury, you can go where you want, have what you want. You can live how you want. Why would you choose to do something or say something that would jeopardize that? Why? What would cause someone to put in jeopardy everything that has been given to them, especially their life and their freedom? And I ask this question because when you have a passion for something, when you truly believe in something, when there is a conviction that is so deep in your heart and in your soul, when there is something that, that 
matters so much to you that you cannot be silent. The Bible says that God works in us to will and to do for his good pleasure. And anytime I see a story like this, I am reminded that these are not just the ordinary decisions of a person like, what am I going to have for breakfast? There is an anointing and a grace that is put upon their lives, put upon our lives, because he's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. So people today who stand up like this, it is because of an inner working that the Holy Spirit is doing in that person. Anytime you can see a person work harder than most, strive harder than most, uh, do something with a conviction and a passion greater than most, you can best believe that it is by only by the spirit of God that gives them the the unction to move in that way. And here's this woman, we're looking at her life because she did the exact same thing because you, it doesn't make sense. In our natural minds, it doesn't make sense to have everything at your fingertips and you will jeopardize that for a belief in a being that you cannot see, you cannot touch. That is faith. Let's go on. Her tendency toward rebellion began early. When at the age of 15, she was forced to marry her deceased sister's fiance, but she refused to adopt his surname. It's thought that the couple had two children, although that fact has not been adequately substantiated. According to someone who edited and published her writing shortly after her death, her conversion from Catholicism to Protestantism and her ongoing conflicts with the priests led her husband to violently drive her out of his house. Eventually, she sought a divorce, and although the divorce was not granted, she remained in the city proselytizing against the Catholic doctrine. Okay, so here's the juicy part. Do they still say juicy? Is that? All right, here's the good part, just in case. It says, it may seem odd that the king was so vehemently opposed to Protestant reformers like her, especially considering that he himself was a Protestant. And after all, he split with the Roman Catholic Church in 1534 and founded the Church of England. Yet he did so primarily to annul his marriage so he could marry his mistress. Four wives later, and despite serving as head of the Church of England, the king remained a Catholic at heart and a believer in Catholicism's core theological teachings. He was intolerant of Protestant reformers, including this woman who was becoming popular. Now, here's a man whose very life lacked morals. He had no integrity. I don't know how much faith he had in God, but there was no love for others, their well-being or their spiritual professional development. Yet he was in leadership. And how often is that true for us? That we give our rights, our freedom, and our power to someone whose lives are not even lived in an integral way. Their actions and their words don't match 
But yet, because they have a title, whether it's at work or at church or even in your family, you allow this person to dictate to you what you can and cannot have, where you can and cannot go, and what you can and cannot do. This man was a hypocrite. I mean, that's the best way to describe him. But yet it says that in his heart that he believed in the the core theological teachings of the Catholic church. But yet he was making decisions for his own gain where these women were concerned and wreaking havoc on people's lives, just like this woman we're reading about. When she asserted in her writings, her insistence on scripture as the ultimate authority, that was problematic. During her first writing, she reiterated to her interrogators that scripture doth teach me and I believe as the scripture informeth me. She angered her prosecutors when she challenged them to find any dishonesty in her, claiming that there were many who claimed to read and know scripture, but who did not live out Jesus's teaching as well as she did. Boom. That's exactly what I'm talking about. While we give all this power to others, all we need to do is look to see um, what kind of life are you living? Like, should I be listening to you? Should I be listening to you? That is a question you need to ask yourself of anyone who has a title, who is trying to dictate how you should live your life. Should I be listening to you? I love her boldness. It is really feeding my soul. This woman, again, 25 years old, again, 1500s, the 1500s, standing up against the powers that be because she knew better. And their position alone was not enough for her to cow down, to, to stand back and to not pursue that which she knew in her heart to be right. She said, look at my life. What If you can find anything in me that is not right, please. Let check me on that. And that's what is the difference between those of us that we allow to have a right to speak into us. If we can look at their lives and see, you know what? Yes, you're living in a way that I want to submit to your authority and I want to follow your guidance. But we really need to to be more uh, judicious in how it is that we're choosing who we're allowing to speak and lead our lives. You have one life. You cannot waste it on someone who doesn't see the value in yours. All right. She made frequent mention of her gender throughout her writings. She used silence, her own questions, and irony as tools to defend herself. Her male interrogators, who included the Bishop of London and other powerful state and church officials, charged that she blatantly disregarded St. Paul's proclamation that women should remain silent in the churches. See 1 Corinthians 14, 34. Can you believe that that was still an issue? Like we're talking about writings in the 1500s and women were still dealing with that. Look how long this gender argument has been an issue. I mean, really, this is crazy. We are still fighting for the freedom to simply exist in the fullness of what God intended for our lives. And we're still fighting for it. We're fighting for it. And I believe it's worth fighting for. So let's go on. In spite of her aptitude in the courtroom, or perhaps 
in part because of it, she was convicted of heresy. She accepted the judgment quietly without drama. Refusing to see a priest for confession, she resolutely stated her innocence and her beliefs in writing after the trial, just a few days after she was tortured on the rack. She emphatically denied the charge of heresy and declared that she would confess her sins not to a priest, but to God directly, fully confident that she would be forgiven. Today, she is considered a Protestant martyr, best known as the only woman on record to have been both tortured and burned at the stake. The truth is, there's much more to her than her demise. To overlook her contributions as a writer, an eloquent speaker, and a woman of faith in favor of the dramatic grisly details of her death does her a grave disservice. She wrote and spoke eloquently and convincingly about her convictions, and more importantly, she lived out those convictions until her dying day. While we 21st century women need not fear death at the stake for proclaiming our faith, we would do well to ask ourselves a simple question. Would we be willing to declare our faith with even an iota of the courage and conviction of this woman? How are you answering that in your heart of hearts? Here's another question I want to pose to you. Are you living out your convictions? Are you living out your convictions? And I know that this by no means is this easy. It's hard to be strong. It is hard to stand, especially when no one is standing with you for something that you believe in. It's hard being rejected. It's hard to have to suffer. Nobody wants to suffer. But for me, and this is where I am with this, as I've read this, I've thought about it, um, in addition to other things that I've been thinking about, for me, it's harder to disappoint God. And when I think about the fact that he sacrificed his son, Jesus, for me, for the, the sole purposes of me being able to be free, to live free in service to him, like he gave his life that I may have life. It's harder for me to disappoint him, God, than any man, because only one died for me, and that's Jesus. And so in the way that he gave himself for me, I feel like my life is not my own. And that's what scripture says. When you believe in Jesus, I've been bought with a price and I belong to the Lord. So think hard about what you're willing to sacrifice in order to please God. And are you willing to put him first, God first above man, any man to ensure that you are doing your part here? to honor God and to let your life be a witness for him. So until next time, remember, you are made in the image and likeness of God. There are no limits to what you can accomplish, so don't accept any. It's been my pleasure to be with you. Please take care of yourselves. If you have a topic you would like to hear discussed, please submit them at eveworeareyou.com. Or for church leaders in need of assistance in addressing these types of matters, please contact me by going to my website to submit a request for consultation. 
To stay connected, you can follow me on Twitter at Dr. Nicole Davis One and Instagram at Eve Where Are You. Now, with that said, let's go be a positive force and lift up every woman everywhere. Thank you for listening. <music>